I just wanted to do an impromptu live stream and start talking about a lot of the stuff that I am talk I'm thinking about as I assess and look at the world right now. This stream is called Magic and the Changing World Order because I've been doing a lot of thinking about um, Ukraine, COVID, the future, the state of America, um, and it's called The Changing World Order because it's a bit inspired by the book of the same name that Ray Dalio published recently. Not a magic person. He's a, a financial person. Um, tangentially, by the way, uh, one thing I've been reminding people of lately, if I was to have one piece of advice, one recommendation for people that want to learn magic, right, which I assume you do because you're watching me at this channel, unless you just think I'm cool, which thank you very much. Um, if I had one piece of advice for you, it would be this. Don't read effing magic books. Do not read occult books. And if you do read stuff from like a hundred years ago or more, read the classics, read the Tao Te Ching, read some of Crowley actually, read, you know, read, read the old school good stuff. Magic books are pointless for the most part, um, with exceptions, obviously. But what I mean by that is if you really want to learn magic, study everything. Study politics, study economics, study history study the world. The her magic is the hermetic tradition, natural philosophy, and the whole point, the basic fundamental axiom of hermeticism, of natural philosophy, going back to the Renaissance, is really, really, really simple. It's that all of this is one thing. It's all one thing. And that therefore, you can understand the whole by understanding parts. Study everything. The, in the Renaissance, they believed that the way that God talked was three ways. Through scripture, through um, uh, science, mathematics, and through nature. Right? And, and nature means just the appearance of the world as it is. So don't study magic books. At least, you know, it's kind of fun at the beginning to help you get in the mood. But um, study your life. Pay attention. Crowley said, inflame thyself, invoke often, and, uh, well, Crowley said, inflame thyself and invoke often. I say, inflame thyself, invoke often, and pay attention, because the world is one thing. It is living intelligence. It is talking to you all the time, and as I'm sure many of you have realized, if you really listen, it's telling you exactly what you need to know at exactly the right time. And that means your dreams, that means your conversations with people in your life, it means the news, it means things that are happening around you, it means the people that are in your life or who are not in your life. So to be a magician is to, a magician is somebody who has a keen understanding of existence, reality, right? What's the fundamental idea of magic? That you can change reality. Okay, well, here's a little tip. Reality is changing so fast that you have no hope whatsoever of controlling it. However, if you can anticipate change, if you can even, first of all, if you could start from the place of understanding that change is inevitable and therefore not clinging to demanding that things be the way you want them to be, then you're already ahead of most of the human population because that's human humanities, as the Buddha points out, fundamental hang up is the passage of time. So if you can understand that everything is already changing all the time, great. If you can anticipate change and if you can willingly adapt to change very, very, very fast, then you will be participating in the magic of the universe instead of resisting it 
and therefore you will be a magician and, and appear to other people to be a wizard. There, you have it. I've simplified it for you. There you go. Um, okay, just that aside. Um, let's talk about how the world's changing right now. There's three big, big changes um, and in the process of coming. One of them is the collapse of um, the clear economic superiority of the United States, although we still are economically superior. And I, most of my audience is American. I don't know where you're listening to this uh, from in the world, but obviously this affects everyone. So um, one is that America has uh, near peer or near peer adversaries, meaning specifically China. Um, and uh, Russia is not a peer adversary for us, but they uh, are, are near peer. They're not an economic adversary, but they are a, a military adversary. And as we've seen this year, uh, they're not to be underestimated. I was saying, I, I'm from the 90s. I'm naturally cynical. I'm naturally dismissive, particularly of propaganda. And I was saying all the way up till Mar you know, February, March, whenever it wasn't this year, like, there's no way Russia's gonna invade Ukraine. I was saying that all the way up to when they crossed the border. So I didn't see that coming. Not many people saw that coming. That just goes to show how unpredictable the world is and how fast it can change and how our models can be wrong and be proven wrong really, really fast, really fast. And when our models are proven wrong, there's two things we can do. We can kind of like cry about it and, and or we can adapt and admit we were wrong and therefore do much better. So that's the one first big trend. The next is um, the virtualization of the economy, I would say, combined with increasing intensity of war for natural resources. Uh, and so there will, and, and I want to kind of dig into that because there's a lot of angles to that. Um, let's just talk about those. And I think the third one, and there's more than that, but let's just talk about those for today because those are pretty big topics. And the third one, I would say, is just the increasing inability of people to adapt. And that's certainly not new. Um, but as magicians, we have a leg up, okay? So yesterday it was, or Friday, or when I think it was Friday, actually, um, it was revealed the Ukrainians retook one of their cities from the Russians and discovered mass graves, uh, or at least they alleged they discovered mass graves. Um, which uh, contained um, obviously uh, civilians, including children and families, and a lot of people who had been tortured by uh, Russian forces. So, this is grim. This is um, uh, this is like back to World War II, right? And and that is not something anybody wants. And. Um, I've also recently been looking at the work of an academic named Timothy, Timothy Snyder, uh, who's fairly famous, who wrote a book called Bloodlands about the territory between um, Germany and Russia, including specifically Ukraine, Poland, Belarus, and some other areas, just looking at it from the perspective of um, just human suffering rather than politics. And it was actually the first study to look at it rather than talking about the carnage in World War II as an outgrowth of, of Nazism or an outgrowth of Stalinism, but just as something as a region that was caught in between those two forces and that those two forces kind of amped each other up and in increasing the bloodshed. Uh, grim stuff. Um, by the way, if you ever start complaining about your life, 
if you ever start feeling like you have it really um, bad or something like that, read that book. Okay, he, ta he talks about the famine in the Ukraine in the 1930s, and uh, I'm pretty hard to shock. Uh, and I spend a lot of time studying extremist political stuff, and I spend a lot of time studying genocide, actually. So I'm um, um, just because I like to know the best and the worst of humanity. So I'm pretty hard to shock, but um, I, I, I have been shocked recently by reading about the Bosnian conflict. But uh, yeah, if you ever feel like you have a bad read that book, he talks about the famine in Ukraine in the 1930s, and he talks about um, uh, children. Uh, cannibalizing each other and and the hunger was so bad that a child uh, a witness saw a child uh, being eaten by another child while he was in the process of eating himself that's how bad it can get so uh, yeah if you ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed uh, you know reassess so we have um, um, sent some funds over there and of course I really hope it doesn't get that bad again although it's it's really bad so what does this mean for us? Um, the idea that you, for magicians in particular, the idea that you exist in the context of something that is oppressing you or something that is monolithic um, is just not true. What do I mean by that? Um, I've been saying this for a while, but since the going back to the Discordian stuff, to Robert Anton Wilson, definitely chaos magic and the chaos culture of the 90s, Church of Satan, like all this ridiculous stuff, you know. Magic has always, or not always, but particularly throughout the 20th century was posed as a countercultural activity or an underground activity or the activity of people who are like uh, rebelling from reality in some really deep metaphysical sense, maybe in a Gnostic sense, in the sense of there being, you know, a demiurge or something like this, and the uh, occultists are, are, are radical rebels from this. Um, the idea that there is some type of monolithic control structure, um, I just don't think is true anymore. And I don't really think it's been true since the economic crash in 2008. The idea that there's some type of sturdy edifice that you can push against is, is a very wishful thinking. America in particular is, 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 is not doing well, I think, and the world in general, the world order that, depending on how old you are, I think if you're younger, you probably have less sense of this, but if you're like a Gen X or like if you're my age or older, you, you probably at least at one point had this sense of the American empire being monolithic of um, there being this kind of end of history, of there was no escape from American hegemony, uh, it really doesn't matter who you vote, vote for because the same bastards get into power every time. I'm not saying that's not true, I'm just saying that uh, uh, I, I wouldn't assume that that is as solid as you think it is. And that's not a good thing, by the way. Um, if you study really bad periods of human history, which again I do, if you study genocide in particular, or civil war, the killing starts when the state collapses. So you don't want that. <laughs> so what I will say specifically is if, you know, any of these old scripts, these old occult scripts, one of the re um, things I've done with my work is really try to, to um, uh, undermine a lot of that uh, because I was, uh, uh, because I'm, I'm puckish like that, but um, any of these old occult scripts that's like, yeah, destabilize reality, smash the system, 
you know, like, you know, yeah, destabilize consensus reality. Like, what consensus reality are you talking about? Um, I don't know if you've looked out the window recently. I'm saying rhetorically because I know you have, but uh, uh, things don't look too stable out there. So um, you need to stop and think for a second, and probably a lot of you already have, but magic is just a tool. But when you become very immersed in it, as I have for my whole life, the thing you really, really, really have to keep an eye on is the context in which that tool is used. Right? What's the story within which you are using that tool? And it could be as simple as a religious story, like Christianity or Buddhism or something like that, or it could be a countercultural story, or it could be like a Thelemic story or chaos magic or something like that, or something that you've cobbled together yourself from a bunch of different books and movies, which is pretty much all of us, right? I mean, everyone pretty much comes up with their own version of magic from a lot of different sources, not just the stuff they read and people they meet, but from fiction and, and things like that. But um, that is really important to look at because even fiction depends on really core um, assumptions about reality that are political even if it's speculative fiction, speculative fiction. So a really obvious example, by the way, and maybe a too obvious example, is Harry Potter, right? Harry Potter is, is a neoliberal view of the world. Uh, Harry Potter is, is in, in, in some ways, like the Bible of uh, like uh, neoliberalism or was, you know, prior to the Trump era. Like Harry, Harry Potter is this kind of vision of this world of, of ever expanding markets and um, uh, a world in which the only issue, the, the only kind of enemy towards towards the growth of the world and a, a, a future market productivity is is a lack of diversity or an inability of people to come across to come together across. Um, racial or gender or orientation divides, right? And so, so that's a very political view. That's a view, that's the same view of corporate America. It's a pretty good view, um, but it's a view that assumes that it can't be challenged. And um, and and we're seeing recently that that's just not the case. Um, it's just not the case. So. Any of these old magical scripts that people have that are kind of like you know, uh, 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 burn stuff down, attack. Okay, let me make it more simple. If you're operating off of any magical system or belief that involves you attacking the society in which you are part of or the culture is, just just stop, okay? Like, nobody has time for this shit anymore. Nobody has patience for it anymore. I've been there, believe me. It's like, nobody has patience for it anymore because everyone is just struggling to hold on by their fingernails to... Um, uh, any last semblance of ability to control um, and stabilize reality in a real way, in like a socio, in like a social, economic, political way, um, uh, rather than the whole thing going off the rails, and that's a very real possibility. People forget, and particularly when I talk to younger people, the Soviet Union collapsed overnight, overnight, and nobody expected it. And retrospectively, we can go back and look at the evidence 
and say, well, this was inevitable because of X, Y, Z economic reasons or military reasons or uh, political reasons and things like this, geographic reasons even. Um, retrospectively, we can go back and look like that, look at it, and it makes sense. But at the time, that was not the case. You know, nobody predicted it at the time. It's only in hindsight that it makes sense, right? So don't don't forget, things can collapse overnight, and uh, so so don't help. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, so what's the world going to start looking like? Um, a lot more competition. There's a lot more competition now. There's good things about that, by the way. Um, obviously, there's competition for who's on top right now, which is not good. Um, and between the United States and um, um, United States and what kind of remains of the European order and uh, China, particularly. And Russia is a big player now. Um, or rather, Russia is potentially has its back to the wall and is lashing out against NATO. Um, and, and that's bad. So uh, whatever you think of America or the things that America has done, and believe me, I know all the bad shit and I'm always learning more and it's all disgusting and sickening. It's still ours. And I prefer that to living under um, uh, domination by somebody else at the end of the day. So there's going to be a lot more competition like that. There's obviously, this is not any shocking thing, there's obviously increasing political polarization. That is a sign of, uh, that's a symptom of economic trouble. Uh, it's been increasing obviously since 2008. Uh, it was not, they were not able to stabilize things uh, in any real way. Um, and that will leads leads us essentially back to World War II. It's really it's disturbing to me. It's like I posted on Instagram. It's almost like the period in between is like uh, just a breather. And as soon as things, as soon as people started feeling economically pressured, it's right back to fascism and communism. And uh, the conflict between the two and everyone, no matter what side of that wins, everyone loses. Uh, that's not what we want. Um, and uh, all you have to do is look at history for what, what happens when totalitarianism occurs, real totalitarianism, because we, we obviously live under soft totalitarianism in terms of economic control, information control, population control. Uh, military control, even in some ways, uh, militarized police control. Yes, we do live under soft totalitarianism, but you know what? I prefer that to hard totalitarianism, okay? <laughs> it's like, let's make some adult decisions here. Uh, we obviously want everyone to be free and uh, we will continue to work in that direction. This is one of the great goals of magic and of the great work is the liberation of all sentient beings. And that means not just in some woo-woo sense, it means literally. It means literally, and that's what I try to get across to people with things like um, um, teaching economic material or teaching material to really better your life or um, um, uh, making part of the proceeds from courses go to people who are truly in conditions of slavery like human trafficking or under the boot of Russian military. So um, one of the reasons I do that is not just to like make myself look good, it's to make a point to you. Uh, and I, I, I might as well just be straight up about that. It's to make a point to you about what the, what the actual stakes are, right? The magic is not just a, a, a um, um, abstraction. 
right? The goals of the tradition are, are, are real and grounded in the real world, right? And, and uh, people who are able to free themselves mentally, spiritually, physically even, are much better able to assist in, in the creation of a better world for everyone in whatever way it is that they do in whatever way it is that they are called to, and they are uh, much more capable of helping and freeing people who don't have the ability to do it themselves, right? Um, competition, there's going to be a lot more competition. Um, in, in America right now, there's a, there, there, for the last year or so, there has been a lot of talk about uh, people not wanting to work and great resignation and things like that. And um, there's part of that that is very understandable, which is people just don't want to get COVID. They don't want to be back in workplaces where they're exposed to COVID. Uh, even, and that includes white, like even like Google in Los Angeles uh, last week had like one of the biggest COVID outbreak in, in LA. So uh, vaccines don't protect people. They do protect people from serious hospitalization, uh, but they don't protect people from transmission. So the idea that everyone can just go back to normal and back in contact with each other is, is, a, is a fantasy. Um, and we're going to talk about the effects of that, too, because the, the, the profound effect of that could not possibly be overstated. The, other is just um, discontent over wages and living wages, which is certainly understandable. And I don't disagree with that. However, I will also point out to you that we now live in a, in a globalized internet world in which the same labor um, that people are doing here can be outsourced to Ghana or the Philippines or, or at, at, at one point the Ukraine, and I think still um, for pennies on the dollar. And I'm not saying that to say that's a good thing, or I'm not going to give you an, a, 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 an argument one way or another on globalization, because we could talk about all the negative things about that too. Um, I'm just saying that's how it is. That's how it is. Whoever, whoever you are and whatever you do right now, unless you work in like a hands-on service job, which I think is a pretty good idea actually, like, um, um, you know, um, a barber or massage therapist or nurse or something like that, um, uh, you are in competition for your job, not just with the people in your city, but the entire planet. And they're underbidding you and they're hungry, really, like truly hungry. So um, America needs to um, um, look clearly at its position in the world and not assume that it is the center of the world because it's just not anymore. Um, next part of that is, so, so what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know, but don't take anything for granted. Um, the next thing, inflation, right, is completely out of control. Um, we are now in a period of stagflation, which means wages are stagnating while prices are going up. That's bad. And whatever the government is telling you, the reason is because they printed so much money during COVID. Um, and, and that's an obvious cause and effect relationship. Um, that is, I, I hope that we will turn it around, but I, I doubt we've even begun to see the worst of it. So think very clearly about um, how to change whatever it is that you do to uh, adapt to that world. And I actually think it's really simple. Adapting to even the worst circumstances is really simple. Really, really, really simple. 
All that you do is you look at all the people around you or within your community, and now that could be in physical world or online, and you ask, what do they need? Where are they suffering and how can I help? And that's where you will find uh, uh, success. Where are human needs that I can fulfill? Real simple, even in a war zone, okay? Um, if you approach things like that, things will become very clear for you. The next thing I want to talk about in terms of the economy is virtualization and resource scarcity. So um, America for, I think, probably since the 90s has been in this position where we lost power as a manufacturing hub and became, um, we started selling nonsense, internet shit, right? And then, then it was websites and, and entertainment and things like that, and then apps, and now it's God knows what, you know. Uh, and I'm the same, right? So um, America does not produce a lot of real stuff, and this is a serious problem. So I think that in the coming decade, to be very broad about it, and this obviously is, I don't think this is just America, um, but I am American and most of my students are American, so I'm just gonna talk from that perspective, but this probably, this may apply to you also if you're outside of the US. The economy and general reality is going to bifurcate into two directions uh, and already has, and that is the, the virtual and physical. And it's going to be more stark than it ever has before because most of the corporate world will probably live in virtual reality, uh, will exist within teams of remote work, will be meeting in virtual reality. Mark Zuckerberg is working on basically that model of reality. Uh, Facebook at Meta, rather, is working on uh, software that will allow you to project yourself like a hologram into an office space uh, and, and, and very likely that's going to be the way of the world. Um, one way, even if it's just on Zoom and a lot of you have already experienced that. So the, the white collar world, middle class, upper middle class, uh, the wealthy will, will exist more and more within virtual space, abstracted from the physical world and at least for a period of time, will be able to use their resources to float above the concerns of the material world. At the same time, the problem with that though is, all of that depends on the real world, material resources, um, even our even information technology depends on uh, uh, rare earth minerals and material resources that could be cut off really easily and have already been affected in the supply chain that could be cut off, for instance, uh, if China just refuses to start um, exporting things or refuses access to their, their stuff in Africa or things like that, uh, or, or Russia does. Um, and so, so even the virtual world is very, very vulnerable and material resources, particularly as environmental degradation and global warming accelerate, will become harder and harder and harder to, and more expensive harder to get and more expensive. And so, um, and yet at the same time, the, you know, the kind of like productive class, capitalist class, intellectual class of, of America, I suspect more and more at the same time that the physical resources become more and more important, will become more and more detached and abstracted from them because they're gonna be in the virtual world and not paying attention to things as they are here. Um, and you saw a bit of that in kind of the craziness of the NFT economy, right? And just that disconnect between actual value and real and, and, and intangible value. Um, 
And this is bad. These, these are the types of conditions that um, were prevalent during the fall of the Roman Empire. It's the same type of, of worsening physical conditions in the real world while the um, elite or at least the upper middle and upper classes of society um, kind of um, withdraw into fantasy worlds. And you can read one of my favorite writers, Will Durant, talks about that in the end of his book, Caesar and Christ, about the, the, the Roman Empire. That basically things just start falling apart. Things start getting worse and worse. And the people who have the economic means to do so just retreat into a fantasy world. And a lot of work that people do now is fantasy, okay? Like, let's be honest about that. A lot of these apps that people, like a lot of these tech jobs and apps, is it really necessary? And how much of what people do in these jobs is really necessary? You know, like meetings and things like this. A, a lot of work is performative and, and, and fantasy uh, in a certain sense. So in the Roman Empire, that meant people kind of retreating into you know, literary and artistic worlds, pursuits, uh, collecting things, having salons, uh, orgies, things, all that famous stuff, um, drugs, right? I mean, it's no, it's no, it's no, not a mistake that suddenly psychedelics are suddenly are, are, have been so popular for the last 10 years, right? There's a certain level where people just want escape. It's another level of consumer escapism. And more than that, people want to escape to a world that they can understand and have control of because they can't for this one. And I understand that. And um, this is why I teach magic the way that I do as a confrontation with reality. When the Soviet Union fell, it was the same, by the way. Um, everyone overnight became fascinated with the occult and mysticism and, and all of this stuff, um, partially because they were not able to under communism. So just in the same way that they suddenly became interested in the most extreme pornography after the, the, after the Berlin Wall fell, after the Soviet Union fell, they also became interested in like the craziest cults and the most insane occult stuff and things like that. Because so it was just like this rush of like, uh, um, A, what were we missing? And B, I need something that I can understand and control. And, and I get that. So, but this is obviously a very dangerous situation very dangerous because on one hand you have the people who are capable of changing uh, the trajectory of things for the better uh, and yet they are abstract not at this point not only abstracted into technological worlds but in their houses and i'm not any different right so um or or are not as involved with interacting with other people as they were before they're they're cloistered within their little worlds and, and that's a very dangerous situation so i think that if i had one bit of of i don't i don't want to say advice but i want to say um direction to maybe think in particularly as in the following years is think about the going into matter don't think about abstracting into astral or technological or fantasy or anything like this. Think about like um, resources, like, uh, uh, you know, like I would advise people, particularly who are young, to get into jobs in like manufacturing, shipping, uh, mining, uh, uh, transport, supply chain, um, labor, you know, like real Job, real jobs building real world infrastructure and not digital infrastructure. 
So easy for me to say because I'm a digital infrastructure guy and my whole life is building digital infrastructure, but um, just something to think about. So ultimately, that, that's kind of all that I want to say politically, but obviously, as with everything else, that comes down to people's inability to adapt or ability to adapt to adapt. And as life gets more and more and more insane, uh, people with magical training, let's just face it, are going to be able to adapt a lot more easily. Uh, if you have a flexible sense of identity, if you have a meditation practice, if you've done a lot of magic and you know had weird experiences and things like that, and you know your personality's changed in weird ways, even if just in the context of rituals and things like this, if you and 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 most of all, if you understand how flexible reality is, even through things like divination or enchantment and things like this, um, even the most basic forms of magic, if you have an understanding that reality is flexible, and not just that, but that you can flex it. <laughs> Um, you're going to do a lot better than most people. So be thankful for that. I've been, in, in, uh, I, I'm never-endingly grateful for the fact that I got into magic. And every time the world shits itself, I'm even more grateful. Um, because uh, magic allows you to adapt and roll with the punches and even completely change and retrofit your entire personality overnight if need be. As I've had to do many times in my life, and you probably have too. right? And, and it's, it's, that's one of the most unbelievable gifts of magic and it's a gift that religion doesn't give because religion is a fixed script and tells you to be a specific person and religion is often about resisting change so not always but often so so keep doing magic and as peter carroll once said you know like divine short enchant long right so um with that said i don't want to just keep ranting forever um i i will try and take questions in a, in a little bit um, but I wanted to make, let's make, let's talk practical, right? It's like, what are the most important magic? Let's talk magic and let's talk practical. What are the most important, practically speaking, magical skills that you, you need right now for this world? Okay, let's get into it. And maybe other people will have ideas in the chat once, once, once I open that up, but, uh, respectfully. Number one, as always meditation, just, I know it's boring. Well, it's not if you really get into it. Um, I know it's like, oh, meditate, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, oh, I have to eat. Oh, I have to exercise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meditating is the most important. Why? Number one, it allows you flexibility of personality. Number two, it allows you to extend your reaction time to to outside stimuli, which is one of the most important, if not the most important skill in life, right? To uh, allow for an aperture or window in between yeah. stimulus and your response means that you will not fuck up your life when under stress. That's really important. Um, uh, third, being able to see the big picture, being able to see the world outside of yourself and, and understanding not only what's happening, but where the opportunities are, where the energy flows are, where you should go, where you should not go. Uh, if you have a lot of experience of meditation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if you don't meditate more, um, and, and fourth, and, and, uh, fourth and most obviously is just the ability to manage stress, uh, to manage your cortisol levels, right. And to stay out of your fight or flight reflex. Um, these are all critical and, and likely the difference between life and death in a lot of situations. And, and certainly the difference between, um, success and, and failure in all situations, including financial, including relationships, including business and career, 
right? Including, you know, how you treat the people in your life, including how you treat your kids, everything. Uh, meditation is, is the key and it always has been and it always will be and it doesn't change. Um, it just gets better the more you do it. So of course I have a brand new meditation course out, Mastering Meditation. It is, in my ever so humble opinion, the best meditation course on the planet, at least on the internet, that is easily accessible. And since we're now in the post-COVID world, I don't know how easy it is to like, for instance, go to India in an ashram or if you would want to do that. Uh, post-COVID. Uh, you always could, but I mean, it seems pretty risky these days. So um, I will say that for all intents and purposes, it is the best easily accessible uh, and, and perhaps best accessible, let's just say best accessible meditation course in the world. Um, uh, uh, you know, extreme statement. Yeah. Who cares? Right. You know, so what it, it is, what it is. Um, uh, I'm, I'm over false humility. It's, it's a brilliant course. Um, I wasn't the only one that worked on it. The whole, the whole team worked on it. It's a phenomenal course. It will take you from zero to 60. Uh, and just like all my courses and it will teach you meditation techniques that will last you your entire life and will allow you to thrive, succeed, be happier, be more fulfilled, live longer, make more money, uh, uh, everything. So, so we have that. Um, the next one is, how do I put this? Long-term flexible planning, I think is a good way to put it because, uh, you know, particularly as magicians, we, we, we set goals and we try to make things happen. Uh, and we have really um, clear and fixed ideas about what we want those to be if we're, if we're really working on it, right? We envision ways we want life to be. We envision um, who we want to be, um, things we want to succeed at or bring into our lives. And then we work to bring them into our lives. And, and it, it basically always works, right, to one degree or another, whether that's through visualization, whether it's through things as basic as, as, as affirmation, prayer, visualization, um, or as complex as, you know, full magical ritual, okay, and evocation and invocation and divination, like all that great stuff, right? Um, but, but one, you know, regardless of technique, we're all trying to envision better realities and make them happen, okay? And uh, that is a skill that the world needs right now. Uh, so don't underestimate it because let me put this bluntly. The majority of people are not only not able to, the majority of people are not able to situate their own locus of control within themselves. And it's not because they're controlled. It's because they do not want to exercise executive function over their own life because it's hard. It's actually much easier to just go to a job and have someone tell you what to do um, or go to a church and have someone tell you what to believe or turn on the TV and have Fox News tell you what to believe. You know, it's like that's easier than doing thinking for yourself or or um, taking responsibility for your own life. Um, but it's deeper than that. Most people not only do not have the capacity to situate the locus, their locus of control within themselves, which is what magical technologies like meditation and ritual do. Um, uh, so if you don't feel that you have that, um, magic.me, you'll, you'll develop it really quick. Um, but, but, but more, even more deeply than that, most people are not able to, um, visualize something better. They're not able to, not in the sense that 
they're, they're not able to imagine something that is different than the way things are. Um, and that's a really important ability. And an even more important ability is then to be able to articulate that to other people. So these are critical abilities. But when I say functional long, or um, long-term flexible planning, this is what we have to realize. We're all you know, um, doing work, I, I assume, uh, all the time to make our lives the way we want them to be. Okay, however, uh, uh, so we're all making chess moves, but the chessboard is all fucked. <laughs> and it's like all shifting and blurry and glitching all the time, right? We're on a glitching chessboard. Uh, and, and we have no way of predicting how it's gonna change. So if you're really think about your, your goals and think about by the time I'm able to manifest this goal, is the world I expect this goal to exist in still going to, still going to be there? Uh, and we don't know and we can't control it. So um, I think adapting a certain approach where it's like, um, being very clear on the generalities of what you want, but not so specific about how it happens. Uh, there may need to be a bit of flexibility there. And I think that flexibility is good because it allows, as, as you may or may not know, if you allow for flexibility like that, it allows for a lot more, uh, a much broader range of, a, of ways that something can happen, which is something that is very tangibly grasped once you begin doing magic. Um, so those two, and then the third is just making yourself indestructible. Make yourself indestructible. This is not something you're gonna get from other magic courses or teachers or books or anything like this. Um, it's something that, I, that you're gonna get from me. Um, what does this mean? It means hardening and protecting your entire existence on every conceivable level, physical, spiritual, and um, mental, and financial and thinking ahead for every potential contingency and constructing your life in such a way that it will not affect you or at least will not affect you in the same way uh, it would if you were unprepared because nobody can fully isolate themselves from the world and that's a, a bad idea you know it's like we're, we i'm not saying isolate yourself from the world i'm saying be prepared i was a boy scout i was a cub scout at least uh, I can tell a very off-color joke about that, but I'm not going to. Um, be prepared. So um, what does that mean? It means being prepared financially. It means creating new forms of revenue for yourself. It means creating businesses that uh, make sense within our current world model and not the old one. It means um, uh, self-defense. It means protecting your house and your family. It means developing magical abilities to be able to select realities in which um, you are not in danger. That's really important, uh, more important even than the more tangible ones. Uh, Carlos Castaneda used to say, it's like, what's a, uh, or a Don Juan asked Carlos, or excuse me, Carlos Castaneda asked Don Juan, you know, what's a, what's a shaman's way of uh, avoiding danger? And, and Don Juan tells him, just don't be there in the first place. <laughs> That's a pretty profound comment, actually. So um, I taught an entire course about this in 2020 called Alchemy of Chaos. That's a phenomenal course. It's a course that will, will give you the tools to protect you on every single level of your existence. It is a tantric course, meaning not black magic or sex magic or any of that nonsense, but um, 
meaning it works with the, the chakras and it works through ritual in the outer world, but in a real world sense, not like doing magical rituals, but like um, um, honing each chakra and grounding it into reality uh, so that it is um, working optimally for our current reality. That wasn't that clear. Um, basically, Alchemy of Chaos is a course about making making yourself like adapting to the current world and making yourself able not only to not only protecting yourself on every single level of reality and protecting your family and the people you care about on every single level of reality, but setting yourself up to thrive and even dominate in the ten years to come because you're just way ahead of other people. Okay, now I'm going to readily admit this. That course was not marketed particularly well. Um, I don't think that I made it clear enough as to what it was. And that entire course was done in like the summer of 2020 when my level of and everyone's level of, of stress was like through the roof. And I had to move seven times. All this insane stuff happened. I ended up almost moving to a nuclear landfill. Uh, I then went through a breakup. Like it just like it just like you probably went through all kinds of insane stuff. We were all going through insane stuff, and I was at the same time trying to create a, a course that would give people all the tools they needed to get out of that, which I did. And they're awesome tools, and the material is phenomenal. And uh, everyone who took it uh, got a phenomenal amount out of it, and was very very. Um, grateful, I think even particularly for the financial material in it. Um, and I stand by that course. It's tremendous. That course will still be good 10, 20 years from now in terms of navigating reality as it is. Um, and it's a course with material that I don't think has ever been taught before in the occult world that has certainly never been put together in the way that I put it together. It's something completely unique and new and effective and not about the old stuff. It's not about Golden Dawn or Chaos Magic or any of that stuff that's from Victorian England. It's about what is literally, what is the most possible, most, most effective possible in real world practical terms, magic in terms of tools for radically altering reality now in real world results terms for adults in 2020 in the middle of the world falling apart. And I think that uh, we did a phenomenal job with that course. However, um, I think that the, if you look at kind of the page for that, it's kind of dark, it's kind of stormy, it's not particularly clear what it is. The title, Alchemy of Chaos, is not particularly clear. I was originally gonna call it Crisis Magic, but for some reason we decided to call it that. And it was just because I was in peak stress, and so you, you know how we are under peak stress. The course is the best filmed one we've ever done. Uh, the material is amazing. Um, I'm going to go back, I think, and revise that page. And also, I think people got confused because they were um, waiting for the sequel to Adept Initiative, which that is, by the way, but I wasn't clear about that. It was... Um, so I think there was a lot of confusion as to where that came in the sequence after Adept Initiative. Um, uh, the, and I didn't articulate that very well at the time. The two go together perfectly. Adept Initiative is about the four elements and booting those up within your existence. Alchemy of Chaos is about the seven chakras and booting them up within your existence in a real world way in the, the, the 2020s, right? Uh, in a non-optimal world. So they go together perfectly. Um, and in a sense, I almost consider them the, the same course. They're kind of like, or parts of the same course. 
they're kind of like the two sides of, you know, if I were to be running a Golden Dawn curriculum, uh, theoretically, they would be the two sides of the Malkuth or Neophyte curriculum. So it would be like Malkuth for Adept Initiative and then the Path of Tav for Alchemy of Chaos. So, um, and at a much deeper level, how much do I want to say about this? The Alchemy of Chaos performs a chakratic, if that's a word, a chakra, a specific chakra tune-up that would be the same experience you would get if you join, and I won't name any names of specific magical organizations, okay? But you can extrapolate. Um, it is the, it provides the same, the same, the, a, well, I'll say a better version of the experience you would get from joining some of these secret societies. What do I mean by that? Um, there are magical groups that you join, that you go through a degree structure, and by the end of the degree structure, you've gone through certain initiations that change your outlook and change your energy system in a way that kind of boots you up into an effective magician. Um, but that, that it takes place over the course of many degrees, adept, or, um, excuse out at, well, definitely to adept and alchemy, but alchemy of chaos does that in a course very quickly. Um, but for the 2020s, not the 1910s, if you gather my meeting and that's all I, I will say about that. So phenomenal course. I'm going to go back and kind of like change probably the design and, and, and the, 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 uh, phrasing around it, but I highly, highly, highly recommend that if there's one course. Um, possibly even more than the meditation course, if there's one course that I can recommend to you out of everything at magic.me that has my absolute best material on how to thrive in, in this new reality, it's that one. I put my heart, heart and soul into that one in a very stressful situation. It's great. Anyways, okay, so um, enough about that. That's all at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K.me. You all know this. Um, let me maybe take questions. Let me go to... Oh, wow, there's some very nice comments. Spirit Master says, Jason probably saved my life to be real. Thank you, because I was doing magic, fumbling out a ritual with pure intention is perfect enough. Thank you, that's awesome. Uh, Irving says, uh, how would you define the most powerful magician? What are the limits you believe in? There are no limits. Um, uh, and most powerful magician is a total misnomer because reality is changing constantly. You're all gonna die. I'm gonna die, we're all gonna die. So what powerful magician measured by what? At what time, at what period, at what time, in what way, for who? I don't think there really is such a thing. But in terms of limits, there are none. And, and we should be very happy about that. Um, John Lilly and, and uh, the center of the cyclone. It's either the center of the cyclone or programming and metaprogramming in the hum human biocomputer. Both of which I recommend for everyone, by the way. Um, some of you may know John Lilly, but if you don't really quickly, John Lilly was the guy that invented sensory deprivation tanks. He was a real weird guy. Uh, he also did a lot of acid and tried to talk to dolphins. He done, did a ton of ketamine and sensory deprivation tanks and tried to talk to aliens and did. And he wrote some wild books and he got real burned out by the end of his life. But great writer and uh, great information about magic. And one of the things he said, I'm going to bungle this, but so, so look it up, but something to the effect of um, within, within the realm of the human mind, there are no limits. And 
if limits are discovered, they are simply signposts that can be, or guideposts that can they themselves be transcended. There are no limits. There's no limits on human achievement. Uh, people were saying in the beginning of the century, people were saying people could, would never be able to fly. And if God wanted you to, you know, if God wanted you to fly, it would have given you wings. Now we're preparing to colonize Mars and it's just only a little bit over a hundred years later. So there you have it. Uh, there are no limits. Um, so aim big. That's another, that's another thing I have, particularly for younger people, like have bigger goals. Is manifestation just 5D thinking? Uh, it is definitely higher dimensional thinking in some ways. Uh, question about retention. I'm not going to super get into that on this chat, but I talk about that at length in the Mastering Meditation course because it is something that people get really, really hung up on. No fap. Um, long story short, I don't really think it matters and I wouldn't get hung up on it. I'm currently working through the 38ers. Uh, very brave, very cool. Is Enochian something one should be concerning themselves with or are other systems of better use at this time? Okay, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, and thank you for asking that. And I can answer that um, specifically and more broadly. Um, uh, 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 long story short, um, you, you might want to be a bit more grounded. <laughs> Um, Enochian often, I love Enochian. Okay. I wrote a whole book on it. Uh, it, it's in, as far as I'm concerned, the most profound and real system of magic there is. Okay. Um, I've done a lot of it. Um, Enochian really gets a bad rap as you know, and I'm sure a lot of people know for being like somehow destroying your life for being evil or like making everyone broke and things like this. Um, in my experience, the reason that that is, is because Enochian is not concerned with the material world at all. It's purely astral um, and, and, and purely like a, re, um, to be more specific about that, Enochian is kind of like a, an ongoing religious psychedelic experience that doesn't, in the same way as psychedelics, really kind of doesn't have a whole lot to do with your actual day-to-day -day life. Okay, and one of the reasons for that is not just that it's kind of like an astral thing, it's that Enochian is not about you in the way that some other forms of magic is. It's about the big picture in which you basically are insignificant and I am insignificant and everyone's insignificant uh, compared to the big picture. So the reason why that is not so productive, particularly under times of economic stress, is because it just doesn't overlap with your life at all. Uh, and that time could, uh, how do I put it, possibly be better spent taking care of business than doing the kind of occult equivalent of, of binging PlayStation 5. Enochian is beautiful. It's wonderful. Like I said, I think it's the most profound system of magic in the world, but it's not going to pay your bills and it's not going to focus you on developing skills, the skills you need to, um, to, to, uh, to, to, to survive and, and um, do well. And certainly will not give you anything you need to like help your family or anything like that. It's, it's the big picture. So I love Enochian, but I, I think that's my answer. Um, okay. Teeny Dakini, that's an awesome name. <laughs> I love it. Will you ever reissue your early works? Um, I hope to. I have the rights to Generation Hex, uh, and I hope to issue it, reissue it at some point. Um, as far as I know, that's the only one that's actually out of print, and it actually is like really expensive on Amazon, which is really, I guess, weird. It's kind of cool, but it sucks if you're just trying to buy the book. Um, I hope to reissue that at some point. I would need to get the rights from the individual authors as well. 
Um, uh, but that's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, I keep meaning to do that, but it's like, well, I could create new stuff that the world needs now or go spend a bunch of time bringing out my early singles from when I was 21 in 2005 or whenever, or no, it was earlier than that. Um, so it's just kind of like not at the top of my list, but I, I absolutely hope to at some point. Um, and, and thank you for asking about it. No special person talks about fantasizing about perhaps starting my own business and actually investing in people. Highly recommend it. Okay. So hopefully this has been, we've been doing this for an hour now. Hopefully, uh, this has been of help for you. Uh, let me know if you like this format and, and just like straight up, if these are helpful, let me know if they're not helpful. Let me know if I'm just kind of like ranting and it's like, what, what the hell, uh, let me know. But I think that I will continue to do these just cause it's really helpful to be able to just, um, talk through my thoughts and also update people on the world as I see it, not the magical tradition as it was. Uh, and our world changes every day now. So it's good to have kind of like a feedback loop. All right. Thank you everyone for coming. Uh, have a great Sunday. This has been your Sunday sermon. Uh, everything will work out fine. Um, and as magicians, we have the, uh, never forget. I sometimes forget, but never forget, uh, not nine 11, but, uh, but, uh, never forget that as magicians, we have the ability to make things turn out. All right. We have the ability to make things turn out. All right. Okay. It's like, we have the skills, whether it's just motivating ourselves to put in the work necessary to do so, or, or all the way up to magical ritual. Um, so use them and, and, and don't, don't, don't forget who you are. You have all the ability and power that you need, right? And uh, if you want to hone your skills, there's always magic.me and we will continue to put lots more stuff out. So um, uh, keep watching the YouTube. Please like and subscribe. Subscribe to our podcast. Uh, there's a bunch of links below this video. Uh, we have a new guided meditation uh, or new in terms of it's a couple months old now, but new that, that level of new, it's amazing. Uh, get on the, uh, get that, get on the mailing list, subscribe to the podcast. We, we are now podcasting every Monday morning. All right. I'll see you later. Hang in there.